is Jesus and Gym Shoes. Boy, this is Welcome Jesus to another episode of Jesus and Gym Shoes, where we have unparalleled conversations about life skills in Jesus. I have my good friend here with me, Nicole J. Johnson. Um, I still have her... I still have the uh, banner or the the plugger in my window for, for when you bring the office. I probably will never take it out. Um, but yeah, Nicole, introduce yourself, G. Yeah, my name is Nicole Johnson. I'm from the South Side. Grew up in Inglewood. CPS kid, and um, I'm just. In a word, I would describe myself as exceptional, and I am very blessed, very covered. Uh, I went to a yoga class this morning, and just reflecting on the year, I wrote a love letter to myself, and like, mm -hmm. <laughs> nevertheless, nevertheless is the word, is the operative word of the year. It's like all of that, and in spite of, you know, I've been taken mm -hmm. care of, so that's just how I live my life because that because I know that despite anything I'll be covered and so I take on many risks you know as you mentioned like running for office and so um that's generally my disposition to life is just trying to rake up and multiply all the talents God done gave me <laughs> and um you know so that he'll be proud that's what's up yeah that's what's up what's your favorite pair of gym shoes i have them i went to go pick them up so there's these for right now there's some converse but these were custom made in senegal okay. so this is actual like, like this is uh yeah, very, i got a kente cloth in, uh, pair as well but um right. my friend's mom gave gifted me these last week and so you snapped. You got the first like international shoe I've had on um <laughs> Jesus and Gym Shoes. Yeah, and I've been wearing like trying to find really cute gym shoes instead of wearing heels like post like COVID and stuff. It's just like what's more comfortable. Um and it I'm trying to like not completely phase out my heels, but you know, trying <laughs> to bring more parity to to protect my feet and my back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it ain't nothing like seeing a woman in a in a pair of heels. Like y'all legs be cracking. It'd be yeah. it'd be beautiful. It's a beautiful sight. When when never mind. I ain't gonna go down that down that road. But uh it's a, it's a beautiful sight, is all I'll say. Talk about that love letter that you wrote to yourself. What what prompted that? Um, yeah, so today's the winter solstice, right? It's the first day of winter. Um, it is the longest the night. And then on the first day of summer, it's the longest day. So we'll have more on this day. We'll have more nighttime than um, uh, sun time. And so yeah. um, as part of the preparation, that was the theme of the yoga class was this bringing into the new season. And my love letter for myself was really just saying like the, 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 the quote that's been ringing in my head or the scriptures, um, he leaves me. No, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Yes, yeah, and mm -hmm. so that has been this whole year is um, really just letting God lead me, despite the cacophony of all these different noises. And God has shown His hand in so many ways, but then there'll be a lot of um, noise around that, and sometimes it can distract me, and it has distracted me and made me feel very hopeless. And so the letter was a affirmation of, again, nevertheless, all that I still held on to my faith, even if it was like, it could be this big or it could be like this small, you know, my faith and, and holding on to that hope. So I was really just congratulating myself and affirming myself to continue to do that um, and reassuring myself that I am, I'm on time. You know, I feel sometimes that my, I'm too late for this or I want myself to hurry up and I want this thing to go, go, go. And it's like, no, just just be here, be settled in this moment. Um, so just a culmination of a lot of the reflections that I've been having over the past year of um, just settling, 
and, and God's grace and the blessings that are around me and reflecting on Nicole that couldn't do that years ago. Mm-hmm. And so just bringing it all full circle and affirming like, now let's move forward in this new understanding that, you know, you're gonna be good. Understood. So a new understanding. So we had a conversation um, sometime after, and, and I kind of mentioned it early on about you running for office. We had a conversation about you running for office um, or after you subsequently lost, right? Um, so two things we're going to do. We're going to talk about, you know, that time on the trail and, you know, up until winning uh, or uh, getting the, you know, sec- getting to the runoff election and then all that stuff, right? But we had a conversation about a new understanding of who you were mm. once that time came to a close. So we're going to talk about that, but I want to first talk about, because um, I don't want to like, I don't want to leave that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but what made you run for office and what office was it that you ran for? Yeah, I I ran for Alderman in the 20th Ward on, um, which is on the South Side of Chicago. It includes uh, Inglewood, Washington Park, Woodline, Back of the Yards, and it's very gerrymandered and it it's a new city is in there as well. And so I ran in the municipal elections and I ran because, you know, we in my ward where you live now, I, I moved out the ward, but we had years of representation and city council that just really screwed us over. And at the time, the alderman at the time was the third consecutive one to be indicted and then ultimately convicted. Mm-hmm. And it's just sad. The other part is me having this um, affinity towards public service my dad will tell you since I was seven, I said I was wanted to run for president. I was going to be president. And so I all these things led up to me being involved in politics. You know, I've interned in D.C. several times, worked on the Hill and and things like that. And I just had this calling in my heart to be big and sh- and serve in that way, because it was a position that can influence the everyday lives of everyday people in my in my hood and so i wanted to represent them and so i i had the audacity to believe that i could and, and did really well you know despite it and i'm actually working on my book right now and this is this is the topic this is the story that i'm working on right now mm-hmm. and i'm very thankful and the, the the topic is like the nose to the new self for the new self. Yeah. It's a working title of that section, but essentially it's like that doesn't fit me anymore. Yeah. You know, who I wanted to be, who I was two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, you know, and also like we're in a pandemic. Like I would have been having to lead during this time and who knows where I would have been mentally, emotionally and yeah. physically um, to manage that. And so... Well, so yeah, before you get too far though, right? Yeah. So during that time of you being there, what was that emotional state like um, being on a campaign trail? So like a lot of people don't, all they see is, you know, the ins and outs of um, big time politicians. A lot of people don't know that, you know, the ins and outs of more general, uh, of the more general electorate or the smaller electorate, right? What was that process like? It's, it's very hard. And if you're someone who's like constantly on the go, you never even get the opportunity to stop and celebrate because it was always a fire being put out. Like mm-hmm. there were, I was doing really well on the outside looking in, I was doing really well. And the campaign was gaining momentum. I was raising money. I was gaining support. People were had my signs in the window and their in their doorway and their lawns mm-hmm. and stuff like that. They were sharing my, my my media and things like that on social. 
And it was really good um, in that in that endeavor. However, um, internally and emotionally, I just took so much mess. I took so much mess. I was, and you text me like my once I made it to the runoff. You know, you got a survey, a text survey, and every time you click my name, it was like, did you know Nicole did this? Nicole did that, and it was just yeah. like this constant uh, barrage, an attack on my character. And yeah, it was it was crazy. Yeah, and you have to put on so much armor to like you know, nose to ground ground, and just like keep your head down and keep moving. So when you're constantly doing this, you can't look up and be like, oh, wow. Like, you know, I wasn't even like super proud and excited when I got Chance's endorsement, which really helped me a lot. And it really elevated my profile in a way. But, you know, I was just like, okay, next. You and that's Chance the Rapper, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um... Because he got a city doing front flips. That's just... Okay. Yeah, you know, and so it was um it was really it was really tough. It was really tough and it really came down to our and this is what I'm writing about right now, like the Sunday before April 2nd, so March 30th, 2019, and my mom, we were Sunday morning, because I one thing about me is no one's gonna outwork me. Mm -hmm. And so I and you be you you get up with me at eight a.m. nine a.m. hit them doors with me. Yeah. You know, so you you know what it was, and that was what I was doing every day. Six a.m. at the trains, nine a.m. on Saturdays, and it was Sunday morning. And my mom was taking me to this Catholic church in back of the yards, and I had my Spanish literature in my hand. And she asked me, she was like, "Do you want this?" And then I could not tell her a straight answer because I had just been so exhausted and i said if this is any indication of um what next four years at the very least is going to be like like i don't want this and i had to ask myself a question i'm like because at that point i had gotten so much um opposition from people because mm -hmm. i'm a woman i'm young i'm inexperienced and um i put air quotes on that and I'm not with a big union or I'm not with a big machine, very spirit led and individual led. And it was people that was naysayers. And so it will look, early on. It was definitely that ego that was pushing me to be like, no, I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them who Nicole is. But then after a while, I had to ask myself, like, you really about to do this for other people? And that's when the answer was like, nah, like this is it. And it was in that moment that the energy shifted and all up to that point, I thought I was going to leave. But that Sunday before, I was like, nah, this not this not in my favor. I know it's not going to turn out. And that's how it eventually ended up. Because I had to, in myself, be like, is this what you want? And I had to say no. And... There we have it. So how do you get to that point, right? Because I think a lot of people do things and they are kind of just stuck, right? They're stuck in the decision that they made and they just, whether it's a relationship, whether it is a job, whether it is, you know, it could be any myriad of things. It could be buying a house. It's just like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And then, you know, how did you come to grips with that not being your life, what you saw for yourself anymore? I had to be, I have a, I have a strong relationship with myself and that's where it starts. It's like me and one of my girlfriends, you know, we talk about our own personal journey and our mental wellness and how we create boundaries um, that determine how we engage with other people. And we, it always comes down to, is this showing me love? Am I betraying myself? And yeah. if it puts me in this position where I am not happy at all, I am truly overwhelmed. I'm not happy. I'm sad. I'm crying all the time. My emotions are erratic. It puts me in a very deficit mind space. Mm -hmm. um, none of that nurtures my spirit. None of that nurtures my energy. And so I had to answer that question and say, is this how you want to live your life? And, you know, the answer is no. When I saw what it was doing to me, I was just like, nah, 
I can't do that to myself. And you just kind of got to bow out because then the other part of it is if you do go along with that, knowing you shouldn't, and that's when that, that, that intuition and also the spirit will tap you on the shoulder and say, look around, you know, you mentioned those situations, relationships, friendships, jobs, and all the other stuff. In every one of those instances, people, you get that tingling in you, that 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 tug at you that says, that asks you, this is a way out. But it's either choosing self or choosing ego, letting ego, ego lead. And um, I couldn't let my ego lead anymore. I had to say, mm-hmm. have a seat. And I had to go with myself, mm-hmm. my higher self, my best self. Okay. But did you at any point feel like a failure at all or feel like you were quitting? No. Okay. Because I had, I, it was. You had already given a resolve. It was amazing. There's, I, you know, I lost an election, but I won so much and um, I did so well. You know, like my my the incumbent right now, she'll tell you she was like she told me she was like, you had your stuff together and you had us going. I made big union bosses sweat. Like I had I had seasoned politicos like for real, like for real. So what I did and, and they they so happy I moved out the ward. <laughs> they are so happy. So um I don't feel like you know, that it was a failure, anything of the sort. Um, but I did recently, I and I'm still like dealing with that. And now I, I do acknowledge it as a loss. Um, and so I give space to that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I did lose, I did lose. What was that journey after the loss though? It was horrible. <laughs> You um, talked about putting on armor, right? So you had to take all of that off. What was that? What was that process like of taking that armor off? It was horrible. I mean, the first part was just getting all of this to slow down, and so mm-hmm. I suffer from bruxism, which is why I have these braces to correct my bite. But I've had custom-made mouth guards that you're not supposed to chew through, and I chewed through them during the campaign, and so it was getting all this in line and like i never forget maybe like within a week after the campaign my body just slowing down my face slowing down instead of being tight and just the searing pain that i experienced it was just like these migraines it was literally like um razor blades just like cutting across my face and i couldn't sit in a tub for more than two minutes because i was just so used to this 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 and then just having to sit with myself. So I had to learn how to be still and I'm still learning, but I'm much better. Like I can sit in the tub for 20 minutes now. Um, but then even like a year later, I realized, cause I had never really talked about it and talked it out and what, and really acknowledged like what I had went through was very painful. Like people saying all types of stuff about me on Twitter and all these things, and you get to in, in the in the mail pieces, you know. Yeah, I was ready to fight a couple of times because I was like, "What are you doing?" Like I like the mail. It's I, I probably still have it, but it's one mail piece. Like she hasn't had a job for more than two years. It's like I'm 29 and I have two masters. Of course, the math don't add up. Of course, I don't have a job that long, you know. So. um the unraveling process was very intense, was very intense. Like I went to acupuncture once a week. Um, the first two months after I was just down, I didn't work. And that was hard too, because I was like, I have to work. I have to work. But God was like, no, just sit. And, and I was taken care of, but I'm thinking I have to do it on my own. And so that whole process, because I was really pulling on myself and that whole process afterwards the 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 recovery has been God showing me like it's not up to you surrender and let me take care of it what scripture did you use to kind of hold yourself over during that time 
Um, Isaiah 43, 19. Uh, I have been circling, I have been uh, circling this scripture for years. And it's about, sorry, Isaiah 58. 4319 is um I am doing a new thing. Yeah. Watch it spring up. Do you not perceive it? But Isaiah 58, um, starting at six. Mm. And so um the real one is uh if you skip down to nine, if you do away with the yoke of oppression with the pointing finger and malicious talk. And if you spend yourself in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your light will, and your night will become like noonday. And then skipping down to verse 12, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up in the age old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets and dwellings. And that's really what I would circle around to, you know, affirm my steps and know that there was a greater vision because I felt so, um, I felt so uh, committed to, 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 um, to community and the work that I was doing. And I knew that God was going to carry me and that there would, this would not be done in vain. So, so you talk about the mental piece and then like even getting your body to slow down. I think that a lot of people kind of miss the fact that our body is a machine and then like once it gets used to doing something, it wants to continuously do that. So it's interesting to hear you say that you had to recreate, I mean, you had to just recreate a normal, you have to recreate a normal for yourself. And I'm doing that now because I was telling one of my girls last week, I was reflecting on the past five years. Um, mm -hmm. I was started after undergrad, I started teaching and I did that for a little bit. And I said, ah, I want to do something more. And I was having some challenges and I thought I could do more. I went to school. And then I came home and thought I was going to have a certain type of job in, in education. And I didn't. And then that's kind of when I fell into politics. And then I was like, OK, I'm run. And then that happened. And then just moving forward. And um, now I was just last week, I was like, you always running. You always running from something for something. Mm -hmm. You 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 you're going to one thing to the next and you're looking for something. And in the past five years, you haven't found it. And so that's which that's also part of the conversation and relationship with yourself is honesty. And I had to myself, it's like, so at what point, to what end will you continue to do this and keep running and searching for something that is out of yourself? You haven't found it in the past five years and all that you've done, and you've done a lot in the past five years then you think you're going to find it doing going to one thing, to one thing, to one thing. Mm -hmm. And then that's when he, um, he makes me lie down and green pasture started coming to me. And I was like, settle, just settle. And then this concept of just settling in where I'm at, you know, we think of settling as like settling for less, but it's like, no, it's settling in God's arms. It's settling yeah. in God's provision. It's settling, settling in what is, and 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 acknowledging the joy that is around me already. Yeah, I um, um, I was telling somebody. Well, I practice mindfulness, so like I go to you know go to therapy pretty often. And one of the things that I had to do is because I run also, right? I'm always trying to accomplish something else or always trying to do something else. Um, I have to sit still, and you know realize what I have in front of me because sometimes I will dwell on the past, um, which isn't a terrible thing, but sometimes it can be really, really bad um, because you don't necessarily see what's in front of you. But mindfulness, it was like walking my dog without my headphones, right? It's just mm -hmm. a practical way of practicing mm -hmm. mindfulness where 
Um, I am able to just be present in the moment and my brain just isn't racing a mile and a half at a time. Um, and I think that it is, it's good because you're able to actually be aware of what's happening. You're able to be aware and be in tune with yourself to say, okay, self, you're a little out of control. You know, you spend too much money on this thing or you, you know, you were eating out and not like cooking the way you suppose. Yeah. Cooking or like you haven't worked out as hard as you should have, or as much as you should have, or, you know, the house isn't clean the way you should clean it. Like what, what's, what's underneath all of that stuff? Like, what is it that you're actually feeling? And so, yeah, mindfulness allows me to be in that space of actually saying, you know what? Oh, I haven't communed with God as much as I should have, you know, mm-hmm. like that's the thing that I'm missing. Like, oh, prayer is missing. Like mm-hmm. I'm doing all of this. I'm talking to all of these people or I'm not talking to anybody and I need like, you know, conversations with people. Um, and so, yeah, mindfulness allows me to be in that moment, but so back to take and back to taking off the armor, like Mm -hmm. what, at what point did you realize that you had armor up? Was there a situation, was there a particular situation or was there, um, you trying, you trying to connect and not being able to like, what, what was that armor what what was it like taking that armor down? Yeah, it ha- I remember I had it on. I still had it on last summer when I was I was dating this new person, and it was such a beautiful space. And we like we had some really great experiences, and it was a very intimate space that we had. We were sharing. And a lot of my recollections from the campaign were fizzing up and I was sharing them with them. And I was like, man, I still have this on me because they noticed when I was telling it, I would start fidgeting. And then as I kept going, I started like pacing Mm -hmm. and it started riling me up and they were like, you okay?" And I was just like. I noticed myself. So like you said, being mindful, I paid attention to what I was doing when I was talking about this thing and this 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 place of hurt. And um, I realized I had that. And also the, you know, the relationship I was in was very, it made me take off a lot of layers that I had put on to ignore some things about mm-hmm. myself. And um. So already actively excavating deep in within. And, and that was the environment that allowed me to see all that was happening. And so from there, it's been this uncovering of things um, between like, you know, I'm a very independent person. You know, no one ever worries about Nicole. I grew up in a way I I, I presented myself, especially to family as having it all together um, because I knew that there wasn't much there, like, you know, going to school, going to a really expensive college and, and not, and coming from a, a, you know, a a single family home and knowing that you don't have enough. So I just took it upon myself to find, Oh, I'll find the money, you know, Oh, I'll do this and always taken care of. But then you get to a point where you, there are things that you can't take care of. And I'll never forget um, it was during my campaign, actually, my grandmother said, I was going to give a thousand dollars to the campaign. I said, well, Grandma, can you give me 500 and give the campaign 500? And then she was like, okay, because I wasn't working and, uh, and my unemployment had ran out as well. Cause I got let go from my job the previous March and my grandmother told my mom, my mom was like, I didn't know you were broke. I was like, I haven't been working since August and my unemployment ran out and you knew that. Like, what did you think I was doing? She's like, I thought you had savings. I was like, why would you assume that? And I had to, and I remember my, um, my therapist, when I went back to therapy after the campaign, I got insurance again. She said, 
I said, no one checked on me. She was like, well, did you ask them to? I was like, they should have known I lost the campaign. And she was like, you got to tell people. And it was in that moment. I was like, okay, so I have to use my words. I have to tell people. And so now, and that was August 2019. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. since then, I have been using my words and saying, mm-hmm. I need this and also accepting those things as well. So mm-hmm. the excavation process and the unlayering and taking those things off and being soft, it allows me to feel, it allows me to receive, it allows me to respond in kind to other people's emotions and allows me when they unravel in front of me and um, it allows- yeah, that's an awkward process. Huh? That's a, that's an awkward process. Like having other people unravel and it's just like, you know, especially if you, I, I, you know, I most definitely have that situation of, of having to take off the layers, but seeing other people and their emotions, it's like, why do you feel this way? Like, what is this? And you having to like hold it. And it's just like, this is odd. This is Yeah. Odd. And you know, it, it is tough, but because my partner does it for me, I do it for them. And mm-hmm. It, 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 it's a lesson for me too, because my awkwardness is a reflection of my own uh, discomfort with my own stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know that in me receiving and making a space for them, I'm making more space for myself as well. Like, it's like, you got to do this for yourself too. Like this is a, this works both ways. Uh, Yeah. I'm actually working up and writing out, like I have to have a very, very difficult conversation with someone coming up soon. I'll tell you, I'll go into detail more about it offline, but I am like having to practice and like write out Mm -hmm. what it is that I need to say to make sure that I have, that I say everything that I need to say, right? Because you don't want to get, you know, swept away in a moment without like getting those initial things out. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, you know, I, it's it's it is a very tumultuous process having to go through that having to go through dealing with yourself you brought up a really good point that like uh, that your awkwardness comes from you not being able to handle yourself mm-hmm. when dealing with other people yeah and i think that like even as a man it's um it's difficult yeah because for to even have emotions as a man hmm, because sad. it is it's, it's awful it's right? a very sad world for you yeah absolutely like it's difficult like it's it's difficult to have emotions because unless you grow up in a space where your emotions are um okayed or accept it and okayed and accept it and tolerate it, you will then become a carbon copy of the these other people who are robots and hard. And then they blow up out of nowhere. And you're like, what's wrong with this person? They were just fine. And it's like, no, like they weren't okay to be themselves. They weren't okay mm-hmm. to have an adverse reaction to um a situation as a as a youngin like they were told you know a lot of boys are told why are you acting like that like you know mm-hmm. you act like a girl why are you crying like man up it's like no it's a child they have their emotions are and their brain is all over the place they don't know how to react to this thing mm-hmm. um and so as a man you still are sometimes stuck in a prepubescent way because you were not able to um, emote, emote. Yeah, you were not able to emote, so you can't. So what you? I mean, you can't emote as a. I can't. You know, a bigger at my big age. Yeah. You know, it's hard to start yeah. emoting now. You know, yeah, that's what? tough. Yeah, that's really tough. That's really tough, and I think that goes to show just about the the barriers that assigned gender roles put on us, like. Yeah. You 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 gonna be a man in twenty years? You can't be doing that. And it's like, who says that? 
I mean, black women, y'all can't emote either. Like y'all get looked at as y'all have any y'all y'all say one thing, somebody yell at you, you yell back at them. Oh, they're just an angry black woman. And it's just like, no, like you just yelled at that person. Like during my yeah, during my campaign, like you know, I was hustling and these wonderful white ladies that would, yeah, 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 I got you, I got you. And then when I would call them. Hey, every time I said, because, you know, if you say you're going to give me some money, I'm going to ask for it until you yeah. give me that money. And I got called aggressive. And I was just like, thank but you. But you told me you was going to do this. Y'all don't call Ron Emanuel aggressive. Because Ron, I, I heard stories about Ron. He had closed the door, but ain't nobody leaving until we raised a million dollars. <sighs> Yeah. So I get it. Yeah. yeah. But I think now the beautiful thing about this new space we're in, like, it's dark outside, but it is also light. And we are able to take off those things that just um, encumber us and yeah. that limit us and stifle us. And it's just like, none of that matters anymore. Mm hmm. We are assigning new value on how we show up and what's really important, and we bringing that everywhere we go. Yeah, I, I, um, I have it written on my whiteboard. Like you deserve good, you deserve the good things, and that's not just like okay, I'll buy a pair, of, you know, pair of shoes or whatever. But that's not the good things, right? The good things are, and I think this also goes with, you know, Christ. Like we, I deserve. Um, because he said so, right? Um, mm -hmm. And this isn't like bad theology at any point, but this is just saying that like he said that I that I have his grace, so like I deserve the grace, right? I deserve those. I deserve the good things. I deserve happiness. I deserve you know the things that I kind of shun away, and we shun away God's grace. We shun away the fact that like Jesus died for us. And yeah. It's like I deserve the good things. Like he said, I can walk in fellowship with him. Or walk, you know, walk with him. So like, I deserve that now, yeah. right? And it's oh, and it's and it's me that like puts a blockade up. Um, because you've been told that you had to work and do and to mm -hmm. be a certain way in order to receive these things, and you told you were told that it has to be hard. And, and it's not. And it's not. Like happiness is literally. <laughs> um, a choice, right? And I think that that's one of the things that comes like choosing, choosing that happiness helps allows me to like take off that armor and choosing the people that I share my happiness with also allows me to break down that armor as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, you, mm. yeah. It's really hard, like you know, in recent years, had really tough dynamics in my family and I wasn't getting the support that I needed from them or the affirmation that I needed from them and in the beginning it felt I was just trying to be what they wanted me to be but still trying to be myself mm -hmm. and it couldn't work but I had other people my tribe and so I, I referenced my tribe because an extension of my blood family because they do accept me and give me what I so desire and what I need yeah and you know, my family shows up when they can, you know what I mean? And, yeah. um, but I know that that's not, that's not the only place, the only source for me. So one thing that came up for me is unsolicited love, right? Ooh. These people, these people desire, like their only desire is to just like love you. Like they don't need anything from you. They just have genuine unsolicited love for you that's like, how that's my partner is and it yeah. blows my mind yeah and it's like it I didn't ask you, I'm like, you don't want nothing from me nothing Just you remember chris, you remember chris who used to own a salon like that's like that was my first experience with like just like unsolicited love like that i can actually remember right um like that was like a dad figure. And I had never experienced somebody that was just like, I'm going to show or uh, I'm going to make sure that you experience the world as like my child. Um, 
and like this is no shade to my parents or anything like they you know they had they had their place but like for me to like get it outside of that for me to like tangibly be able to see it and to my mom's credit she's the one that was just i found out like prior to him passing he was just like yeah your mama told me to do that and i was just like dang a mother's love like set that up uh but in any event like that's the first place that i can go to to be like oh this like this is where this goes and i was able to see it and you know i got people that are in my tribe as well that literally do the same thing or actually the same thing that you talk about which is um the only phrase for it is unsolicited love like they affirm they will congratulate they will um pray they will uphold they will also call you on your shit you know um yeah absolutely absolutely i'm with it yeah, you got random, not random, but like you got stuck overseas. Oh uh, yeah. What happened? Um Yeah, you know, just being a black woman doing her own thing in America and them not believing that you had the means. You know, I was profiled when I was coming back from Aruba, I was in Aruba for three months and uh, I found and I, you know, I was uh, talking to this girl and she lived in the other island. Mm-hmm. And she would say whenever she would, you know, try to cross the border, she was always stopped. And I was like, oh, that's unfortunate. But then I understood what happened. If they really stop, especially if you're single black women, they stop you. Uh, because I think you're, you know, you're a drug mule. And so oh, I had easily 200 pounds of luggage because I had been there for three months. And um, I was already having, like, my anxiety was at an all-time high. Like, I was freaking out even before I got there because um, I was coming home. I didn't know what I was coming home to. This house I'm in right now, I, I had an open transaction and I wasn't sure if it was going to fall through or come through. It was just so many things that were happening. Mm-hmm. And um, they uh, stopped me and I just freaked out. I was just mm-hmm. like, no, I'm like, the plane is already boarding because they had one person, everybody was behind. They had one person checking passports because um, in some countries they have customs there because so many Americans come. Yeah. So many Americans come to Aruba, so they already had a customs there. So I'm technically on U.S. soil. And I'm this close to getting through so I can get to my gate. And they stopped me and I just freaked out. And they opened my stuff. And I had um, I had bags of, um, I had all these medicines. I had supplements and things like that. Mm-hmm. Some I got there, some that I got here. I had a doctor's note and everything, but they didn't want to hear it. And mm-hmm. so um, they searched literally every corner of my luggage, um, tested my stuff, like even like my face wash that was manufactured in the United States. And this is U.S. Customs. And um they say, they was like, you know, you got narcotics. I'm like, narcotics? You know, like Soulja Boy, like narcotics. Like, what do you <laughs> And, um, you know, they were saying I had, like, meth and ecstasy. And, uh, you know, they they searched, they did a body search, took my picture. And then finally I was able to look at what they found. And they had, like, my Dr. Bronner stuff. Like, I had it in the original bottle. My face wash was in the original bottle. They wrote like ecstasy on it, like my toothpaste, like all these things. And so I was like, word. So that's when I knew. And so they say, well, you're going to get charged $500. And I was just like, I still didn't know what was going on. So they tried to run my cards. All three of my cards declined and I had the money definitely had the money because I had it. You know, I had been using those cars for three months and I I wasn't nowhere near my credit limit on either one of my cards and my, my debit card. 
So they gave me this piece of paper and it was like, well, you have 30 days to send us a check of $500 or it's going to increase to $5,000. And I was like, all right. And then the officer was like, do you want, do you have anything else to say? And I was like, no. And then as I tell the story to people, that was when he was going, I was supposed to be like, well, what do y'all want? But when I was telling my friend the other day, I was like, I probably would have been even more hurt had I actually given them money than went through the process that I went through. Mm. So after that, they called the Ruben authorities and passed me on to them. And they looking through it. It looks ridiculous to them, but they have to continue the investigation. And so tells me I'm going to get... Um, they're going to arrest me and stuff. And I uh, spent two nights in jail. And um, luckily, I was able to communicate with my family in time. When the U.S., uh, they had taken my cell phone. So I pulled out my iPad and I emailed my family. And I said, don't call me. They have my phone on my iPad. And then literally a minute later, one of them comes out the office, like, where's your iPad? So they had been looking at my email on my phone. And uh, I'm like, cool. So when I went to the Ruba folks, they asked for my computer. No, no, no. I took my computer out. And then I kept emailing and responding. Like, hey, y'all, I think I'm just going to this is just a grave inconvenience, but I can get a hotel room next door because it was a Hyatt next door at the airport. And I was like, I told my sister, I'm like, can you call Southwest and see if I can get on the next flight tomorrow morning? And um, it was like, no, we're gonna arrest you. So that was the that was the darkest night of my life. Mm. That was the dark. I I had never, I had never, and I, I tell people like. Um, when you get in situations like that, you just I just you disassociate. I disassociate so much. I was watching everything from here. Like this was my when I think about being in my cell, this is the view that I have of it. Like just me hovering above myself. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, it was uh it was Holy Week, and you know, I said I'm gonna get out on Friday, it's gonna be a good Friday. And I got out on a Friday and I came home. And it was Did they get your stuff back. Yeah, I got my stuff back. I got all my stuff back. Only Did you have to, still, back. still have to pay them? Huh? Did you still have to pay them? No, because in the process, um, I had my my United States senator. His office was calling Customs and DC and asking about Nicole. And so when I had walked back through Customs, they were singing a whole different song. So they was like, who is this black lady having people from Washington, D.C. calling about her? Who's that, Bobby? Bobby Rush? Or no, Durbin. Durbin, okay. Okay. They, because um, I was supposed to have a meeting with his chief of staff. Oh, okay. Day. Mm. And I had emailed her right before they took my computer. I was like, and I copied my mom, and I was like, I just told her, I'm like, hey, I couldn't even finish the sentence. And because they was taking my stuff from me. And um, yeah, it was wild, G. Like that story is crazy. Like you, we, yeah. And I saw you right when we. That's when we had ice cream. When you had got back. No, we had ice cream um, in the summer. Okay. You okay. called me the day I closed on my house. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We we had ice cream in like August September. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You are right. You are right. Um, that is wild. Are you going back overseas anytime soon? Well, yeah, I mean, my um my girl took me to um Bogota for my birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've already been, I mean, and I was stopped there too. So that was re-triggering. So I'm actually in the process of um You'll get global entry? Well, no, I need to clear my passport first. So I'm on a list now. 
I'm on a list. I'm on the drug trafficking list. And every time I come back to the country, I'm going to be stopped. And so luckily I was stopped in Atlanta and it was a black dude um, who was like doing the inspection. And so he could tell I was telling the truth and everything. He, I was like, here's my website, like the website for my job, you know, and I was telling him about who I was and stuff and they let me go. But that won't always be the case that mm-hmm. people will let me go. And my, it was funny cause like my passport wouldn't scan in, 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 in Bogota either. So, but they just, they still let me go. So that could happen again. I could be solo somewhere else. So I'm just going to, um, I'm in the process of working with them. My um, Senator is making a, a congressional inquiry on it so that I can um, see what's going on, so I can get off this list. Sheesh. Um, so I'm, I'm really hoping that that can get like figured out because I wanna go somewhere in like February. So, but um, I yeah. am my girlfriends. I'm, I'm kinda nervous about traveling alone, even though I like to travel alone. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's crazy. How can people find you? Like, do you want people to find you? What you mean on social? Yeah, if they want to. Yeah, they can find me on Lotus Hell Hill L O T U S Hell H A L E H I L L. That's on Instagram, and my Twitter is Nicole J Shy N I C O L E J C H I. Mhm. Yeah. And yeah. You are amongst the people. And this has been another episode of Jesus and Gym Shoes where we have unparalleled conversations about life skills in Jesus. Like, comment, and subscribe. Um, we now have the YouTube page. So uh, I look forward to uh, hearing y'all feedback from this story. Uh, again, this is another episode of Jesus and Gym Shoes. Thanks, Nicole. I appreciate you. I do appreciate you. Yes, sir. It's been good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Boy, this is Jesus and Gym Shoes.